This is Olbermann versus Trump, and I'm not Trump. This is, in short, the greatest internal threat to our democracy since the Civil War. 18 days before the inauguration of President-elect Biden, seven Republican senators led by Ted Cruz with four senators-elect are demanding, quote, an emergency 10-day audit of the election returns in the disputed states due to, quote, unprecedented allegations of voter fraud. There are no allegations of voter fraud, not even in the nitwitted lawsuits filed by Trump and his toadies. There are no disputed states. There are no emergencies. There is only sedition. Senator Cruz and the other 10 conspirators may think they are making a deft political move to shore up the fascist end of their base and dressing it up as a high-minded replay of the 1876 Electoral Commission. In fact, Cruz and the others have merely lit a match to a corner of our Constitution. This democracy requires one underlying agreement. Elections are sacrosanct. If you lose and it is close, you may have your recount. If you lose and it is not close, you cannot fabricate closeness, you cannot fabricate disputes, you cannot fabricate an excuse for an extra-legal, extra-constitutional audit. I was watching CNN the other night. I know, I know. The president says it's fake news. On CNN was journalist and author Tom Friedman. And the gist of what he was saying is that these Republicans who are disputing the election results are simply engaging in a legislative coup. A coup in America. I wish what Tom was talking about was cool. Sort of like when they overthrow a Latin American dictator. Or some warlord takes over in Africa. I could actually get behind that because that would mean people actually cared. These fucking criminals that operate our government are just pathetic and sad. We've reached a point in our country where it boggles the mind how these fuckwads have even been elected. We can't be this stupid. We just can't be. But the realization is coming that we are watching the implosion of the American Republic. But hold up, are we? Or have we always been this stupid? And we are finally, because of the internet and cameras everywhere, seeing it live and in effect. Picked up the paper like everybody else and uh, saw that Robert Mueller uh, had indicted 13 Russians and, and several Russian organizations uh, for basically intervening in our last election, uh, both to poison our politics and to tilt the election toward Donald Trump. Uh, and I waited to see what the president would have to say about this. Uh, and, and he had nothing to say about it. Uh, and that struck me as, as a, not only appalling, but actually frightening. Because up to now, Donald Trump, he's violated the norms that we expect in a president. Uh, his tweeting, his, his incessant lying, um, his, his general, you know, way he speaks about people, his diminishing of others in different countries. He's violated the norms of the presidency. But when the president of the United States does not react to a clear and present danger, then he's violating his oath of office. This little soundbite was from February of 2018, almost three years ago. And to hear it now in 2021, it sounds a bit staggering, right? Russian interference in our election and a president who did nothing, nothing at all. And when the Russian hackers came in December 
with a major breach at our Treasury Department, Trump also did nothing. Maybe he was a bit busy, had some pardons to hand out, you know, end of office type things. As the forward momentum of our investigation is to really comb through all of the Russian connections, I knew that there was a very important document that was major news at the time. But like anything, it's faded away. It's really been lost once again in the flurry of insanity that is our news cycle, the national media, and the completely divided zeitgeist. This document is the Steele dossier, created by Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele is a former intelligence officer. He's 50-something. He's a Brit. He's a former I.O. intelligence officer for the Secret Intelligence Service, better known as MI6. He wasn't an agent. He was an officer. So he ran, he would have run agents. He would have operated as an intelligence gatherer for Britain's overseas intelligence arm. He uh, works or has worked for something called Orbis, which is a business intelligence firm uh, in Britain. And he is the author of a dossier, a 35-page dossier, um, which was compiled last year and which um, he thought contained or said uh, contained such scurrilous details about President-elect Trump um, that he handed it to the FBI in August. Now, he, is, he is, was allegedly hired by Trump's opponents to compile stuff in this and the opponents in America or in America, potentially Russia? In America, right. okay. well, the allegations that, that, are, that are in this, and this has been published, by the way, uh, not by the intelligence agencies in the States who deny that they've leaked this, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's leaked out. Uh, 35 pages of this uh, with, and I think you kind of alluded to it in the queue, some pretty salacious details about goings-on in a Moscow hotel room. Let's be clear about a few things. The Steele dossier became about one thing in the mainstream media, and that was the information that President Trump might have been part of some golden shower scenario in a hotel room in Russia. That was an interesting construct, but it doesn't get to the root of a few things. Golden shower aside, Christopher Steele was not a hack. He wasn't some loon who gathered intelligence on Trump and Russia and the various relationships between Trump proxies and proxies of Russian intelligence. Now remember what I said earlier. Almost anyone and everyone who is successful in Russia or doing business at an international level, they work somehow for Russian intelligence and by default, Vladimir Putin. The businessmen in Russia take on the mirage of capitalism. But that ain't what's going on. Christopher Steele had deep ties inside Russia. And this guy was very well respected inside MI6, the British equivalent of the CIA. 
once it got handed to the FBI and was assessed in August, um, it started to get taken seriously because I suspect that there are elements of it that are true and elements which are not. There are some misspellings of names which are causing people to say, well, hang on yes. a sec. Now, people um, who uh, my colleagues have spoken to have said Christopher Steele is a, a serious player. You know, he was a respected intelligence officer uh, and like many of them, they, they start second careers about the age of 50. Um, they leave MI6 or MI5 or wherever they're working or in the States, CIA, FBI, and then they start working f for far more money with much more freedom. They work for business intelligence, and he is one of those. Um, it's unusual, I have to say, for him to be, for someone to be so involved in politics because obviously the intelligence officers have to be completely apolitical. Okay. Um, but he's in the private sector. Probably there was a fair bit of money involved. Uh, the Russians are... are delighted that this is being denied by Trump. The business of private intelligence is a murky business. But make no mistake, these firms are very dialed into the global espionage scene. And they can do things that governments don't. It is becoming common for the CIA or other intelligence players to contract out these companies to do all kinds of work inside Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, very recently, I talked to a firm that works with the DEA on drug cases, and these intel firms specialize in a lost art, human intelligence. See the drones and listening to communications as the NSA does, it's very high tech, but sometimes it's not productive. The art of developing human relationships at the CIA in 2021 is lacking. These firms, like the one that Steele started, that's their gravy train. And they're really fucking good at it. The allegations are that the Russians, in this dossier, that the Russians have got compromat, compromising material on Donald Trump. And that involves a tape. It involves a tape, it involves details of uh, basically a hold that they've got over him. So you can see that, you know, given that this guy in less than 10 days is about to have access to the nuclear codes, he's about to be the most powerful man in the world. Do you want, if there was any truth in this, is it, you know, is it in America's interest for another power, which could possibly be, come into conflict with the United States one day, we hope not, is it in, their, in the US interest for them to have compromising material? Of course not. So they've got to investigate it, they've got to look into it, uh, and they've got to raise it and alert the people concerned. But so far, um, the Directorate of National Intelligence has not, in the US has not said if they think any of this is true or not. The news media did cover some of this. But like anything, the salacious and the scandal outshine the brass tacks of the report. I located the report and read through the actual documents so that I could analyze what was in the report and what caused such a controversy. And where did this all end up? Was this Steele report another part of Trump's circus show that was glossed over because the news cycle moved so fast? That political bombshells are now so normalized that we live in this version of brain numbness when it comes to all of this.
Now let's remember, this came after a week of our three in leading intelligence uh, agencies, the head of the FBI, CIA, and NSA, all testifying to Congress that not only was did Russia intervene in our election, they were still doing it, and they planned to continue to do it in the next round of elections. Uh, and when asked the FBI director what had the president instructed him to do, therefore, he said nothing. So what would it actually look like if we had a real president, not someone who's running the Trump organization and seems to moonlight as president of the United States? Here's what a real president would do. First of all, he'd give a speech to the country explaining the problem to people in a language and, and way that would be both compelling and, and, and illuminating for people so they understand the nature of the threat. Secondly, he would call together all the stakeholders, state and local election authorities, all the social networks, all the people who run our federal elections, leaders of the two parties, and basically lay out a plan of defense for how we're going to prevent this intervention in the future. And the third thing he would do would call in his national security team and lay out an offense. Why are we sitting here every day reading about Russian intervention in our election? How Putin is basically using lies uh, uh, to divide us and poison our democracy. Why are we not selling the truth about him, all the money he's stolen, all the people he's uh, basically made disappear from Russian politics? Why are we not using the truth to undermine his autocracy while he is using lies and poison to undermine our democracy. That's what a real president would look like. Donald Trump did none of these, and it is appalling. He should be ashamed of himself. The following information was contained in the Steele dossier. And after this information, was provided to United States intelligence agencies, no one in the political realm had enough power or consensus to do anything about it. Steele stated, the Russian regime has been cultivating, supporting, and assisting Trump for at least five years, which was endorsed by Putin. A former top Russian intel officer claimed to Steele that the FSB has compromised Trump through his activities in Moscow. You have to ask yourself, why would a high-level Russian asset say this or make this up? The Kremlin 100% sent Trump and his team counterintelligence about his political opponents to include a substantial dossier on Hillary Clinton. We will examine who this information was passed to in future episodes. Steele has a whole section of his report that states that FSB computer hackers have penetrated all levels of the United States government. This part of Steele's report has been proven true as recently as a few weeks ago. It is also clear that Russian intel agencies were behind the WikiLeaks data dump that helped President Trump win the election. It's also pretty clear that Trump campaign advisors Paul Manafort and Carter Page were connected into actors that were Russian intelligence and were actively engaged in conversation as it relates to the presidential election. Finally, it's said that Putin was very curious as it relates to intel that Trump and his team would have as it relates to Russian oligarchs operating inside the United States. This report was 35 pages and I only highlighted a few key things here. The sad thought in all of this 
is that as a country, this information was known. It was real, it wasn't a hoax. And we as a collective entity were too stupid and Republican leadership were so selfish that they attached their personal integrity and destiny to Donald J. Trump. Very interesting, without a doubt, a deep state reckoning. It's happening before our very eyes. The single biggest abuse of power scandal in American history is about to be laid bare for all to see. Sources tonight are confirming to me that things are most likely even worse than we originally thought. We have that new letter from the Assistant Attorney General, Stephen Boyd, revealing that the DOJ's investigations into the origins of the Russia probe is broad in scope. It is multifaceted, and that's not all. According to Boyd, the investigation will cover, quote, activities of U.S. and foreign intelligence services, as well as non-governmental organizations and individuals. Now, here's what likely this all means. The Attorney General, along with U.S. Attorney John Durham, they are now investigating how foreign spy agencies, allies of the United States, were used likely by Obama administration's top officials in the intel community to spy on Trump and the Trump campaign and the Trump transition team and the Trump presidency. In other words, to explain this, this investigation is now examining how high-ranking intel officials literally were outsourcing what is politically motivated dirty work to spy agencies in friendly countries clearly to circumvent American laws and the civil liberties of the American citizens and used in an effort to rig a presidential election. When I decided to do this podcast, the title Trump Mafia was selected for a number of reasons. And in investigating all the connections between Russian actors inside the Trump Organization, one of the most amazing developments was the support of right-wing media personality as it pertains to this narrative. The soapbox of Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson on Fox News or now the weirdos on Newsmax has done more to divide this country than any operation by Vladimir Putin. In pursuit of money, self-interest, and TV ratings, the American media landscape has been poisoned. Let's put politics aside for a moment, because this podcast is not about politics. It's about crime and common sense. In the last few weeks of Donald Trump's presidency, as his power wanes, we are now seeing the rats jump ship. The rats acknowledging maybe he went too far. One wonders when the rats will come full circle as to what happened the last four years.
Overnight, a fifth death announced from the siege of the U.S. Capitol. Capitol Police say Officer Brian Sicknick was injured while engaging with protesters. He later collapsed at his division office and was taken to a local hospital before dying from his injuries around 9.30 Thursday night. Capitol Police releasing a statement saying the entire department expresses its deepest sympathies to Officer Sicknick's family and friends on their loss and mourns the loss of a friend and colleague. Sicknick's death is being investigated by the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department's homicide branch, along with U.S. Capitol Police and their federal partners. It comes as hundreds of D.C. police and FBI personnel are pouring over hours of video and hundreds of photos of the mob using facial recognition software to identify suspects and make arrests. And working more than 4,000 tips from the public, federal prosecutors have now brought cases against 55 people. The charges include rioting, unlawful entry, assaulting police officers, theft, and eight weapons cases. One suspect arrested with a semi-automatic rifle and 11 Molotov cocktails. Oh.